All right, we're going to look at the return of Jesus for the next five weeks. And uh, I know there's a lot of curiosity around this topic, and so uh, this is a great series for you to bring someone to and to help them to understand a little bit more about the scriptures and what God says about the return of Jesus. Uh, I want you to know that this book predicted that Jesus would come the first time to the exact town that he would be born in. How many know that's, that's pretty specific, right? And uh, then it predicted where he would live and it predicted how he would die before that method of torture, crucifixion, was even invented. How many know that's pretty specific? And that's just a few of the many prophecies about the coming of the Lord the first time. Well, that same book predicts even more that he's coming again. As a matter of fact, in John 14, verse 3, it says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Jesus said that. And take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Today I want to talk to you about ready, set, go. Because Jesus wants us to not only be ready, but to get others ready. And he said, when these things begin to happen, and don't worry, we're going to spend a week talking about the things that are going to be happening, uh, some signs that we can watch for and look for. But he says, when you see these things begin to happen, don't look down. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. You know what he said? He said, look up. Christians ought to be looking up. This message for the next five weeks is not going to cause us to look down. It's going to cause us to look up, to be excited about what is yet ahead. And so for the next five weeks, we want to explore this topic and look at what I think is one of the big questions that many people have once they understand a little bit about this is, are we in the last days? And I've had people ask me that. Do you think we're in the last days? And I like what I heard someone say recently. It, it's not, are we in the last days? It's you are in your last days. Did, did you know that? These are the last days you get, however many that is. Uh, those are your last days. And so we need to make an impact and understand the times. And so uh, just a little teaser today as we start out on understanding the times. I want us to examine two things that the scriptures talk about, two main events that are gonna happen in the culture, two major shifts that will happen in the culture during the end times. Uh, the first one is the scripture predicts an increase of wickedness. An increase of wickedness. How many people are in the room older than 30? Okay, quite a few. All right, um, You've probably seen this. I know I'm, I'm a little bit over 30, all right? So, uh, so I've seen even more. And I remember when I was a kid, like nobody, like nobody said the F-bomb. Like, like you didn't hear the F-bomb. Matter of fact, that's why it was called a bomb. <laughs> you don't drop the bomb, Right? I mean, it was, it was serious stuff if you dropped the bomb. But now, people are bombing everything. <laughs> Hello? 
I, I mean, I hear it all the time. I, I just out in, in a store somewhere, you know, somebody be talking about, yeah, I gotta go get in my effing car and whatever, and 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 you're like, oh my goodness, that's a little close. Uh, don't worry, I, I practiced. So, uh, <laughs> but 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 they're just f this, f that, f the other, f. Hello. I think that's a increase of vulgarity, an increase of wickedness. I remember when you used to have to pretend you were older than you were. Now, my friends would do this. <laughs> and, and buy certain things that were behind the counter uh, in a store and, and access those things. And now you can access it anywhere. You can access, for example, porn right here on your phone. So I would say that's an increase of wickedness. Anybody with me? I think it's an increase of wickedness. And so the Bible says there'll be an increase of sin, but also an increase of salvation. So there'll be an increase specifically of gospel advancement, that while evil is advancing and wickedness is advancing, at the same time, there'll be an advancement of the kingdom of God. There'll be an advancement of the gospel and technology that's been used for evil has also been used for good. And has helped a harvest, a very impressive harvest, happen. In 1970, for example, there were 1.2 billion Christians. 1.2 billion Christians. And in 2020, there were 2.6 billion Christians. Isn't that amazing? In other words, more people... Listen to this. More people have come to Christ in the last 50 years than 1970 years combined. Pretty impressive, huh? Pretty amazing. The church is growing faster in 193 sovereign nations of the world than the population is in 176 of them. In 176 of those, 193. Then there's 17, in other words, that are not experiencing rapid growth of the kingdom of God. Five are in decline, and 12 are in a category called stasis, which is America. One of the 12 nations that it's not really declining, but it's not really growing either. But in almost every nation of the world, and we're going to come back to some more specifics about those stats in another week. But I just want you to see today that the gospel is reaching people like never before. And there's never been a more important time to reach people than today. I said there's never been a more important time to reach people than today and make a difference. Because Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, when, when you see evil increase like it is, when you see more people come to faith in the last 50 years than they have in the last almost 2,000 years, what should you do? One thing, look up. Look up. Don't look down. Siri's trying to talk to me. Uh, look, look up. And the other thing is you need to get others ready. Luke chapter 21 verse 31 says, so when you see these things begin to happen, you know that the kingdom is near. Now, I want to look, as we get started today, at 
all four Gospels. How many know that there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible that all record about one person, Jesus? They all record about his life. And then there's the book of Acts that was written by one of the people who wrote uh, the book of Luke. Luke also wrote another book that follows those books called the book of Acts. And in every one of those books, I want you to see that it says we're to go. Look at Matthew 28 and verse 19. It says, therefore, go. Everybody say go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now look at Mark. Mark said that Jesus said to them, what? Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Look at Luke. With, all, with my authority, take this message of repentance to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who turn to me. How about John? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Look at Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you see this? All throughout Jesus' passion for his church. How many are part of his church? Hello? If you're part of his church online, just do an emoji, you know, the hand raised or whatever. And uh, I, I want you to know Jesus says to you, he says to me, go. Go get people ready. Not just are you ready, we're going to talk more about that next week, but he says you need to make sure other people are ready. So here's the big question today, are you ready to get others ready? Are you ready to get others ready? And here's my goal, here's my goal today, is to get you ready, to get you ready because you should be ready. I feel it's my responsibility as your pastor to help get you ready, to get others ready. Because it's not, it's not okay for us to come in here and worship the God who has forgiven us of all of our sins, who has given us a second chance, some of us a third chance, some of us a fourth chance, some of us a fifth chance. Some of us are on a little bit bigger number than that. Help me out today. And, and he's helped you to do that. And, and we come in here and we worship him and that's all wonderful. But I'm telling you, America needs a life-giving church that will go and take the good news into the darkness, into the pit, into the, the insurrection of, uh, of evil that's coming about. God wants his light to shine. And that's up to us to help others get ready, to help them get ready. So how do we help other people get ready? How do we help them to, to get prepared? Well, I want to read a story that uh, was illustrated a little bit ago by a more modern day parable. We're going to read the original. In John chapter 4, verse 4, here's what it says about Jesus, because it's just the life of Jesus as John observed it. He says, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Now, just real quick, some of you already know this if you studied the Bible. You know he did not have to go. As a matter of fact, Jewish people did not want to go through Samaria because they had prejudice against the people of Samaria. They, they were so-called half-breeds because they had intermarried with another group of ungodly people. And, and so the Jewish people said, yeah, you're, you're not as good as we are. And they would actually go around that area if they needed to travel somewhere. But this says Jesus had to do it. 
Why? Why? We're going to see why. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, so right in the heat of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, here it is, do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where, she's got a lot of questions, doesn't she? Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself and also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. How many know that things of this world just don't ultimately satisfy? But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them. Everybody say in them. I I want you to get this. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, well, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, she's so sharp, this gal. I can see that you are a prophet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. He's Jewish. He's coming as the Savior. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. See, there's a lot of people today who've heard a rumor that Jesus might be coming back. That they've heard something about that, that that he's coming. And I think she says when when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Isn't that awesome? So here's, here's how we help people get ready. Three observations that I find in this story. The first thing that I see that he does is by seeing where they are. You've got to see where they are. Because here's what it says. It says, I've got to go through Samaria. Why? Nobody does that. Jewish people don't travel that way. Why, Why do you feel like you've got to do that? It's because I've got to go make and have an appointment with a person. See, I know if I keep going back to this restaurant and I keep having this same server, 
and I keep giving them a big tip and I keep talking to them about my church or I keep talking to them about spiritual things, eventually I may have an opportunity to witness to them. I might, if I keep frequenting this store and not just talk about the Colts, although how many know that's important, you know, to do that, but... But if I talk about something that's most important, that, that there's nothing more important than this, that perhaps I'll have an opportunity. See, and, and here's what the scripture says in Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. In other words, Jesus was led to Samaria. And I think the Lord can do that with you. I think he can do it with me. As a matter of fact, there's a story of this, and I don't have time to get into the whole story, but you can read it later in Acts chapter eight about a guy named Philip who uh, he, he saw an Ethiopian. And this Ethiopian was in his chariot. He was just parked by the side of the road. And, and he gets over closer to it, and the Holy Spirit says, Go over there and talk to that guy. And, you know, if you're Philip, you might think, well, I, I don't know that guy. <laughs> what, what, I don't know about that guy. I don't, that guy may not want to talk, you know. And we're on the side of the road. A lot of bad things can happen on the side of the road. There'd be a lot of excuses. He, he's a different color than me different background. I don't know this man. What, what could go wrong here? But the Bible says Philip obeyed the Holy Spirit. And he went over, and guess what? The dude is reading the Bible. He's reading the Bible. And, and he hears him, and he knows, well, that's the Bible. This guy's reading the Bible. And, and so he goes to him and says, hey, what, what you doing there? And he says, well, I'm reading the Bible. And he says, well, you, you understand it? And he says, no. <laughs> I don't. He says, I, I could use somebody to explain it to me. And Philip says, well, if you don't mind, I, I'm, I'm free. I, I can explain it to you. And so he starts explaining it to him. And you can read it for yourself. At the end of their conversation, this Ethiopian accepts Jesus as his savior and says, now that I've been saved, how about I get baptized? And Philip gets the blessing and the honor of actually baptizing this guy as well. And here's my hope for this church is that you would have a similar experience. Because I think Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I think that God still guides his people. I think that there's voices that we can hear that, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us and help us to know what we need to do next, who we need to talk to, and when we need to speak. And so the first thing is we've got to see where they are because we cannot reach what we cannot see. And too many of us, we go through our day and we don't see what's all around us, right? What's there, the potential of what is there. Here's the second thing that we see in the story to help others get ready is not just by seeing where they are, but by seeing who they are. Because he saw who this woman was. He, he, he knows exactly who she is. He, he gets a feel for her and he says, hey, why don't you just go call your husband and have him come? And I don't think he does this to poke at her. See, we, we don't get expressions in the Bible, do we? You know, the little grin or whatever. I think, I think maybe Jesus is grinning. He's like, um, why don't you go get your husband? 
And uh, she said, oh, well, uh, yeah, I, I don't really have a husband. He said, well, that's, that's right. You've had five. And the guy you're with now, he's not your husband. And, and I don't think he's doing that to point at her. I think what he's showing her is your life has had a lot of disappointments, hasn't it? Your life has been about satisfaction. And you've thought, this one will be the one. Whoops. So now this one will be the one. Or this one. How many know this order from Amazon is going to fix it? <laughs> right? When they magically come up and deliver it and went in the white package and it looks like, oh, it's so nice and everything. You're going to be so satisfied. Wrong. Because you're going to be calling them again, right? You're going to be, you're going to be searching again for something else. There's got to be something better than this. And see, that's the way of the world, right? It's because we look for exterior things to satisfy. And Jesus saw that about this woman. He saw that, that she was never, ever going to be satisfied. And here's what it says in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, every time he would look at a crowd, he didn't just see the crowd. He saw the individual. He saw the person. And I want you, when you go to work tomorrow or when you go to school tomorrow and you see the crowd, I want you to look past the crowd and see the person. The person that's there that maybe has been dissatisfied with life. Here's the thing, to help others, we don't have to be like them, but we do have to like them. See, you, you have to like them. And, and Jesus liked her. He didn't just tolerate her, he liked her. He wanted to help her. To help others, also we need to connect before we correct. I know of too many Christians that are too quick to correct. Anybody know them? Anybody grow up with them? You know, just ready to, mm, sinner. You know. Better know the Lord's not taking you when he comes back. That's right. But that's not what Jesus did. He looked beyond all of that. Aren't you glad that he looked beyond your faults and saw your need when he looked at you? And here's the last thing. We don't just see where they are. We don't see who they are, as it says in here. But it also says that he saw what they need. We see what they need. Because he knew she needed what he had. In John 4, 26, it says, I who speak to you am he. I, I'm, I'm who, I'm the guy you're looking for. You've had five, and now you're with the sixth one, but you're really looking for me. All this time, you, you thought it was that guy or this guy or the other guy, but I'm the guy. I'm the one. When, when all those orders that you're placing, all that stuff you're accumulating, all, that, all those experience, experiences that you're trying to have, you're wanting an experience that I can give. You're wanting a person who will never leave you, never abandon you, never walk out on you, who will stay with you through the thick and the thin, and it makes no difference who you are or what you do. I will not run from you. How many know that is Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And so to help others, here's what we've got to do. We need to show people the same kind of love that God showed us. And you know what that is? 
unconditional love. It's unconditional love. Let's finish the story because it, I love the Bible. It's so funny how it tells things. And John, he's just telling, because he was one of them. He says in verse 27, he says, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. What are you doing? You're messing this up. This is not our, this is not our people. This is not part of the plan. We're, we went to get the Chick-fil-A, you know, and, and bring it back. And, and, and I don't know what you're doing, but look at this. But no one asked, <laughs> what, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Because they've seen him blow other people right out of the water who were trying to trip him up. So they're like, I ain't saying anything. I'm not, I'm not talking to him. I'm not going to call him out. And, and so then, leaving her water jug, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, and I want you to get this, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, mm, I have food to eat that you do not know anything about. Then his disciples said to each other, I mean, these guys are clueless, right? <laughs> Could someone have brought him some Chick-fil-A and we didn't know about it? What, what's up with this? Is there... Maybe there's some other, there's a McDonald's nearby or something. I didn't know about that. And, and so, my food, verse 34, my food is to do, is this your food? Is this your food? Look at what he says. Is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, my food, what feeds me is to live out the purpose for which I was put on this planet. See, this is why we have growth track. It is to help you to understand your purpose so that you know why you were put on this planet. So, so in growth track, we talk about what, it, what could be your purpose, what could be what God has for you. Because it's like food. It'll feed you. And here's what he says. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. But here's what God would want to tell Crossroads Church this morning. What he would want to tell every one of our CFAM, whether you're online or whether you're in this building. Open your eyes. Would you just open your eyes? And look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And I just showed you how in the last 50 years, maybe you can make the argument they're more ripe than they've ever been before. It's never been easier, perhaps, to reach people for Christ. And even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. Sometimes you just sow the seed to the person. And other times, you're the one who reaps the harvest. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Other people have been out there sharing Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. I want you to know that especially in America today, many people have come before us sowing the word of God into our country. There are churches all over the place. There's Christian media all over the place. And so now is harvest time. 
And many, look what happened. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, (laughs) we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. How many of you maybe came to Crossroads Church because of what somebody else said, but now that you're here, it's not just because of what they said of why you're here. You have heard it for yourself. You've heard it for yourself. And, and see, I want to equip you to be able to do this. So today, we we gave you two handouts, okay? Because one just isn't enough, all right? And, And here's the two handouts. One is a little card that you can put in your wallet. And I know it's tiny, tiny print or whatever. But here's here's my goal is that you would look these up and have them in your phone, perhaps, But eventually, very soon, you'd have them memorized. So that when you're talking to somebody about the Lord, you're talking to them about life or whatever, and they're talking about the mess that they're in or whatever, you say, well, you know what? All have sinned. That's what the scripture says. Bible says all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. But the good news is that Jesus has come. He's come. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. You've heard of Jesus, right? He's God's gift to us. And he brought eternal life. What you couldn't do on your own. You you couldn't live good enough. You couldn't fix it. You couldn't be holy enough. What you couldn't do, he did for you as a sacrifice. It was a gift. And so he died for you. And now, if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus, Lord, he's going to come into your life today. He's going to do for you what he's done for me. And I want you to see yourself doing that. Because you know what that is? That's the gospel. That's the good news. And you can't even spell gospel without go. Go. Go and tell them. And here's something else that maybe maybe will help you as much as anything is to share your story. Because the woman didn't know the Bible really too much. It, It doesn't say she went back and explained Isaiah. You know, I just like everybody sit down right now. I want to explain the prophet Isaiah to everyone. Doesn't say that. What it says is she went back and reported what happened to me. Now, listen, you can do that. You may not be able to take the book of Isaiah out and and explain everything that uh, Isaiah prophesied where he'd be born and and how he'd live and all these things about him and and prophesied that his son would be born and be a virgin birth and all that. You may not be able to do all that. But you can tell people what works. You do this already. When ladies, ladies, or guys, whoever does the laundry, okay? When you discover something that takes the stains out that all the others leave behind, you, it's so good, you can't help but share it. When somebody starts talking about their stain, when they start talking about the blemish on their clothing, and you say, hold on, I know something. 
I know about something that'll work. It'll work on that. I've seen it work. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in my husband's life. I've seen it work in our family. I've seen it work. My kids, I've seen it work. And if it works for us, it'll work for you. Hello? So you can do this with the good news because that's exactly what she did. So here's what you do. You write out your BC story just real quick. Before Christ, this was me. Then you say, then Christ came. I, I did something. What, what did you do? For me, I, I was young and I just realized I'm not going to heaven because my family is or are. I, I, that's not, it's not going to happen. I need a savior for me. And my little self said, I need, to, I need to do something about that. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And do you know what? Ever since I did that, when I was about seven years old, do you know he stayed there? <laughs> he stayed with me. There's times when I've drifted. There's times when I've not been as close. There's times when I've made bad choices and bad decisions. But do you know what? He has never left me, never abandoned me. He has been there 24-7. Whenever I needed him, I could call on him. He has been there in my life. And he, he came in, changed my life, filled me with purpose. And so now... Now, I live a life of purpose. I live a life uh, of original design. And it's all because of Jesus. See, it's the BC, the C, and the AC. The power of your life given over to Jesus. Let me, let me just, go ahead. Let me illustrate this. I'm gonna ask Taylor to come back up. And, and I gotta... I got a water bottle down here. Give me that small one. Give me that small one, that small one. Yeah, and, uh, and, and so, you know, she had that story uh, about having water at the, at the store. Don't drink it. I've already drank it. All right, so <laughs> I'm just warning you, all right? Uh, so, so Jesus says to her, hey, hey, could I have a drink? And she says, what, what's going on? And then he says, well, if you knew what I had, now hand me that. If, if, if you knew what I had, right? Like, look at this. If you knew what I had, you'd ask. But, but even this, pick that bottle up for me. All right, we're not done with it yet. So even this, how many know, is not an accurate description. That, that what Jesus has, that this, is not, this is not enough, is it, compared? Are you with me today? Come on. Come on, church. How many know it, 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 this isn't enough? I need something else. This is more like it, right? Because here's what Jesus said. If you knew what I have, You'd ask for me because I'd give something to you that would be like living water that would spring up. We read it earlier. It would spring up in you and it would never, 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 never run out. How many know when you got divorced, it didn't run out? How many know when the doctor said there's nothing more we could do? It still didn't run out. How many know even when your kids ran out or when other things ran out or when you lost your job, it didn't run out. It kept on flowing. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about today substituting what, what you can do, what you can provide. Oh, I know you've had 
you've had five bottles of water and the bottle you got now. See, it's not enough. It's not enough. And here's, here's my point, is how many people are like the woman? At, at work, in the community, at school, and you could say, you could say, if you knew what I had, mm, if you just, if this school only knew, if this job only knew, if you only knew, am I preaching to anybody today? That it, if it, what we know we have, come on, I know what I have. I know that it's something that it doesn't make any difference if you're a banker or you're a teacher or you're an administrator or you're a lawyer or you're a candlestick maker or whatever you are, everyone needs what I have have. They need what I have. Go ahead and sit down. Thanks. I want us to pray today and say, God, use me this week because you're coming back. And it's not just about me being ready. It's about me helping others be ready. So God, Help me to be like you, to give the living water to those around. How many of us today, just while we got our heads bowed and our eyes closed and an attitude of prayer, you'd say, Craig, I, I need God to help me. I, I, need to, I need to get my testimony together. I need to get my, my scriptures together. I, I need to get my act together. I, I need to be more about other people than I am about myself. I need to get out there and share the best news that anyone could ever hear in all of their lifetime. How many are with me? You want God to help you this week to do that better? Raise your hand in the air all over this room. Yeah. Father in heaven, we all could do better. And Lord, we need to do better. Our nation needs us to do better we need to reach the unreached and tell the untold we need to help those who cannot help themselves and so God fill us today with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit so much so that it's like the hose has been turned on in our lives that there's a flow there's a flow of your presence that's reaching out, that's touching other people. God, use us this week in the school, in the, in the business, in the, in the grocery store, on the street corner, across the yard with our neighbor, whoever it is. God, use us this week to share the message of life. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and and you need this message yourself. It's, it's not about sharing it with somebody else. You need to activate it. You need to do it. And if you're here today and you say, Craig, I need, to, I need some of that. I need that, that flow in my life. I need that river of life. I need that abundance that God has come to bring. I, he is what I'm looking for. If that's the case, if that's your desire today is to come to him and to find that water that'll never run dry, just reach up your hand right now all over this room. If that's your, your situation, if you need to come to Jesus today, if you need to come to the Lord, if you need to come back to him, whatever the case may be, and online, just type the word decided in the chat, the word decided, and we'll be praying for you as well. As a matter of fact, I want everyone to pray this prayer after me. Pray it right now. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe through his death, he paid for my sin so that I can be free. And as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Come in and fill me today. Fill me with your presence. From this day forward, 
I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who prayed that prayer, whether in this room or online. There's words that you can also text right from where you are and uh, activate a next step uh, in your life. Or you can go across the hall here in person and someone will be glad to help you and assist you with what your next step might be. It might be growth track. It might be joining a life group. It might be getting baptized. This afternoon, I'm going to go to the house that about 20 or more years ago, when we first started the church, we went to this house uh, because this family said, you know, we don't have a baptism in the movie theater, do we? And I said, no, we don't. And they said, if you want to use our backyard and use our swimming pool to baptize people, uh, we'd love to make that available. And I don't even know. I, I, I wish I'd have kept count, but there's a lot of people that have been in this church through the years that we have baptized in that backyard. And today, the family... Uh, of that family, she's she, the matriarch just passed away in her 90s here here recently, and we had her funeral a few weeks ago. The grandkids and and the son-in-law uh, uh, of one of them said, "We want to get baptized in Grandma's backyard. We want to do that." So I think it's four or five people today that I'm going to baptize this afternoon in the backyard one more time before the, uh, the house moves on. And uh, so that'll be an exciting, awesome time together. Come on, let's stand to our feet. God's doing great things in our church. God's going to do great things in your life this week. You're going to share with somebody you've never shared with before. You're going to pray with someone you've never prayed with before. God's going to use you in a credible way to share the best news that anyone could ever hear in all of their lifetime. And uh, I'm going to ask prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. If you need prayer yourself before you leave, come on down and let somebody pray with you. Father, we ask that you'll go with us in the power of the Holy Spirit to share your message, the best message, the best news that anyone could ever hear in all their lifetime. And God, meet every need here at this altar today. In Jesus' name, amen.